Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church. Welcome to Sunday morning. Things are going to be a little bit different over the next couple of weeks. Myself and Pastor Amanda are currently traveling through South Korea and Israel. So there's going to be two different messages. There's going to be the online message and then there's going to be a message at church. Pastor Shane is looking after church for us while we're away. Pastor Amel and Pastor Grace are also meeting us in Israel. So let me encourage you. Get to church, but then you can come home and watch these messages later on. Let me also encourage you, it's important to be having fellowship together. So those that like to watch online, that's fantastic. Because we do teachings through the week, which are fantastic for online viewers. But fellowship is important. So we meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23 TE Peters Drive, and we'd love to see you there. Every second Sunday, we also meet at 3 p.m., at Yatla. So we have a second service now. So come along and join us. This month we're working through our way, our way through a series titled The Christian Family, Living for Christ in the Present. And if you've been watching, you know that we can look at these messages as part of our own physical family, but also as part of the family of God, the church. And marriage and the family, as we know, are under stress these days. The world is trying to tear it about, apart. The church has a vital stake in, in husband and wife relationships and parent and child relationships for all those who call themselves believers. And today we're going to talk about enemies of the family. A couple of weeks ago we spoke about friends of the family, but now we need to confront something that is vitally important. We need to understand who the enemies of the family are. Let's pray first though. Let's pray for our offering. If you've got your seed there and you're ready to sow, the details will be on the screen. If you miss it, it'll come up again later on. So Lord, we thank you for our families. We want them to be healthy. We want them to bring joy to our lives, Lord. We want them to strengthen our church and to glory you. We know that sometimes we fail, Lord, to obey you and thereby open our families up to evil influences and dangerous temptations. We know there are enemies of the family, Lord, that can destroy the vitality of our homes. We ask you to protect our families from evil and place a wall of protection around us. May we be willing to live within your will and purpose for our homes, Lord. The offerings we give now are the shared expression of our love and our obedience to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. The text we're concentrating on today is Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. I'm reading from New King James. You read from whichever version you like, but open your Bible up and let's read it together. It talks about walking in wisdom. Verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We all know that is right. And the scriptures we're going to work through today are Ephesians 5, 1 through to 6, 4. Now, there's a fair bit of scripture, but let's read it together. We need to understand this. It talks about walking in love. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. It's a good start. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish, 
nor, sorry, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance from the kingdom of Christ and God. Now we could stop there. There's enough warnings, right? But let's keep going. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Hear that again. Let me say that one again. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Some believers need to hear that. that it goes on to talk, talk about walking in the light. For you were once darkness. Now it says you were once darkness. It doesn't say you were once in darkness. It says you were the darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness and truth. Verse 10. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. That's important. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Verse 14. Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And then we start walking in wisdom, right? See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Have a look around you. You're going to see that. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is, is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make a melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always, for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. And then it goes on to talk about marriage and Christ and the church. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ... So let wives be to their own husbands, in everything, own husbands. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but flourishes, sorry, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We need to understand this church. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Some of you need to hear that today. It's time to leave and cleave. If your parents are more involved in your life than your spouse, you have an issue. It's time to leave and cleave. This is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. 
Then it talks about children and parents. Children, listen up here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. There's some pretty good instructions there, I believe. It's a long passage of scripture, but go back and read it again later. And read it properly. Don't add words in. Don't take words out. Read it as it's written. How do Christians walk? The correct answer should be we walk in love as Christ taught us to walk. This is a high ceiling and it's a high calling, but it's nevertheless exactly what the Lord expects of his people. When we fail, he is willing to work with us. He knows how to forgive us. But make no mistake about it, God wants us to grow continually in the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. This may sound like an admonition for personal Christian living alone, but it also precedes a lengthy passage, doesn't it, on family relationships. Go back and read it later. Therefore, we should apply these truths to the family as well as our own personal lives. We should also apply them to the church. We've already identified friends of the family a couple of weeks ago. But we should also be aware of the enemies of the family as well. And while it is true that certain television shows and movies can be detrimental to the health of family, they're not our primary enemies. Way too many people are saying, don't watch this, don't watch that, don't watch the news. That, that, that's not our primary enemy. We cannot isolate ourselves from the world if we are to have any impact on it. I'm not saying you should go and watch whatever you like. But we can't isolate ourselves from the world if we expect to impact the world. The real enemies of the family are those that arise out of our own disobedience to God and to the word of God. We can name these enemies by looking carefully at our scripture passage. And let's do that right now. The first one, enemy number one, is permissiveness. The first enemy that will destroy families is the permissive attitude that is popularly, popularly expressed as anything goes, sexual immorality, perversity and swearing ought to be foreign to the people of God. When respect for the sexuality of family is lost and no one sets standards for family attitudes towards sex, the bond of trust that must hold families together becomes frayed and soon breaks. We're seeing this at the moment with what's happening with our children, right? Children need to be taught the discipline that comes from obedience to God. We don't have to do all the things we want to do. Let me say that again. We don't have to do all the things that we want to do. We can say no. So that at the right time, in the right way, we can say yes. Young people, if you're listening, remember that the decisions that you make now in your dating relationships will determine a, to a great degree the authority you will have as a parent. Counsel your own children as to how they ought to treat their sexuality. If you make silly decisions now, you will probably allow your children to do that when you have them. Parental immorality always, always undermines parental authority. Enemy number two is drunkenness. This warning includes not only wine, but drugs that alter the mental and emotional state that make us vulnerable to temptation and evil. 
A family is severely frustrated when one of its members becomes a different person in the aftermath of drug abuse. We used to minister in a drug and alcohol rehab. We've seen this. Alcohol is the worst drug problem in our world. Adults prefer to talk about the drug problems of the young because they don't want to deal with their own drug issues. As strong as peer pressure may be in the lives of young people, parents can demonstrate a consistent Christian lifestyle along with fair and loving discipline to help protect their families from this enemy of drug abuse. Our third enemy is selfishness. Sermons on this text meet with one great difficulty. The men hear the part about how the wife should respect them and follow their leadership. And the women hear the part about how their husbands should love them as Christ loved the church. And the reason we hear the message differently is selfishness. We first think of ourselves and later of the other. We must hear both of Paul's admonitions at the same time. They go hand in hand. In verse 21, we have the idea, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission in a marriage should be mutual. I hear way too many, mostly ladies, who believe they're anointed, who will not submit to anyone or anything. That also means they're not going to submit to the Lord because they're disobedient. Men are the same, but it's mostly coming from women. You'll see it on Facebook and Instagram all the time. Submission in a marriage should be mutual. It must be mutual. 1 Corinthians 7.4 is a very good point. It's a very good commentary on this. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. In a Christian home, the wife and children should be willing to allow the husband and father to provide leadership. He needs the respect of his family, not ridicule, if he is to be a successful leader in the family. Wives, stop undermining your husband in front of the children. And husbands, stop undermining your wives in front of the children. Good leaders are good listeners. They're not tyrannical. They delegate authority and respect the decisions that others make. They are willing to provide leadership and accept the responsibility of articulating the vision to the family. Christian husbands are willing to let God make them into good leaders. And that's an ongoing process. And Christian wives rejoice in helping God develop leadership in their husbands. In a Christian home, the husband should love his wife with thoughtful attention. He should love his wife with the kind of devotion and courage that marked Jesus' love for the church. Jesus loved the church and gave himself up on the cross. No husband has begun to love his wife as God calls him to if he's more concerned about his own welfare, his own self-esteem and future than he is about his wife's welfare and self-esteem and future. Anyone who's known myself and Pastor Amanda for a while will know that we do everything together. We do ministry together. We do life together because that's the way God would have it. We are one. If you attack me, you attack her. If you attack her, you attack me. God has put us together as one flesh. And you know what? Together, we can do a whole lot more for the kingdom than what we can individually.
We need to remember that Jesus died to save his church. A husband must be willing to die for his wife and give himself away for her and for her well-being and for her growth. A wife has a right to be loved by her husband nobly and faithfully and, and always. A daily prayer of gratitude to God for the, for the wife that he has given you, gentlemen, will strengthen your love for your wife. Paul's admonition does not reserve respect for the husband nor love for the wife, though, does it? Marriage is a blending of lives, and both husbands and wives are to be respected and loved. Selfishness is the enemy. I'll say it again, as I said a few minutes ago. If your mother or your father spends more time in your marriage than you and your husband or wife, you have a problem. Leave and cleave. Thinking of one another and doing loving things for one another are always good and great ways to overcome the enemy. Enemy number four is carelessness. Fathers are advised not to provoke their children to anger. This means obviously that discipline must be fair and just. But it also means that fathers must not be careless of their children. No father is so poor that he cannot pay attention to his child. Children experience deep anger when they realize that one or both of their parents are not really interested in them. Children know that they have a right to be considered. They feel deep anger, which is usually repressed when parents don't listen or don't set boundaries or show interest or expect excellence, which is quite different to what the world believes, isn't it? That children could just, should just do as they please. If they, a little boy wants to become a little girl, that their parents don't have a say in it. That's not the way it is. We must not be careless with our children, not only for their sakes, but also for our own. One way or another, fathers have to pay attention to their children. And ideally, fathers will be there to offer support to their children at the time in their lives when they can bring the most joy and growth. If support comes too late to help, all that is left is to do hurt. Our fifth enemy is ignorance of the Lord. And yes, I'm talking to Christians here. I'm not talking to the world. Ignorance of the Lord is one of the enemies of family. The greatest strength in any home is knowledge of the Lord. The Jewish fathers were given the high task of instructing their children about the Lord and his deliverance of their people from bondage. Paul exhorted parents that children must be brought up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And I know that's not easy for some of us. If they're not taught, they're ignorant. And it's not because children are dumb or stubborn that they don't know God's way. It's because their parents didn't teach them. It's not up to the church to teach your children. It's certainly not up to the school system. Because what the school system is teaching is something completely different to the Lord's way. It's not their fault. It's not the church's fault. It's not the school's fault if children are spiritually illiterate. Spiritual knowledge is the responsibility of the parents. We cannot train our children in godly things if we're not experienced ourselves. If we're not on speaking terms with God, we'll not be able to teach our children what they need to know. So we need to be on speaking terms with God ourselves. As we finish up today, Beware of the enemies that seek to destroy your family. They're everywhere. 
Ask God to help you defend against permissiveness and drunkenness and selfishness and carelessness and ignorance. If you must confess that you do not know the Lord well enough to teach your children, then he invites you to walk with him today in faith that you may indeed be wise and successful in making the most of the time you have with your family because you know tomorrow is not guaranteed. And let me also encourage you, as I do every time we meet, to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us than we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the Word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because our God is a Redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for Him. And if you allow Him, He'll make you whole, spirit, soul and body. But you have to allow Him. And you're important to God. You know that, I'm sure. But you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. We're seeing it this year, that it's a year of divine restoration and divine recovery. Everything that the locusts have taken from you is coming back if you are willing to be an obedient disciple walking in God's will. And until next time, stay in the blessings.